Hello, and welcome to the Alternative Podcast, coming to you from San Andres Island. Thanks so much for joining us today. Now here is Pastor Eddie with this week's message. As you may recall, our distinctive speak to what makes us unique or different as a local church from other local churches. We believe that um, the universal church has been called to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through the verse 20, uh, verse 20, rather. And as um, the alternative, we believe that we have a unique and a different calling from the local churches, which is understanding and respecting other churches, their distinctive and their outcomes and results that they want to accomplish. We have four. So far, we have learned that the alternative we uh, want to accomplish as uniquely as a church. We want to have approach or accomplish the approach to the mission that Jesus has given unto us. And secondly, we want to equip our families. That's what we learned last week, Sunday. First, we want to be on mission for Jesus. We want to be faithful to the mission that Jesus has assigned us. And then we want to use that mission, which is to equip our families today. How many of you believe that our families need to be equipped with the grace and the word of God? So today I want us to unpack together our third distinctive as we reread again Jesus' mandate in Matthew chapter 28, the verse 19, the first sentence in the verse number 19, what we call the first part of the verse number 19. I want you to read it and then um, I will read it together and highlight what I want us to highlight this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. You have it say, Amen. Thank God for the screen. What does the first part in verse number 19 says? Therefore what? Add nation. Let's hold it right there. The first comma. Go and make disciples of some nations. All nations. Okay, I want us to look at this phrase, make disciples, from this first part of the sentence um, in verse number 19. And I want us to speak on this subject titled, Let's Be Productive. Let's be productive. Say to somebody beside you, to your left and to your right, tell them, let's be productive. Father, we pray, God, that you would teach us to be productive as a local church but also be productive as believers for the glory of our lord and savior jesus christ i pray father that we will make it our priority and we make it our desire our passion to be productive for the glory and for the name of our lord and savior jesus christ father i pray that you will guide us this morning as we study your word and as we look at what productivity means from the life of Jesus, from the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and from the writings of Apostle Luke or Dr. Luke. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I would like to begin by turning or invite you to turn with me your attention to paragraph number 13 of our alternative handbook. On paragraph number 13 of our alternative handbook, which details um, the master plan that we want to accomplish and we want to replicate, which is to multiply and be productive as followers of Jesus Christ in obedience to the command and the mandate that Jesus Christ has given us in what we know as the Great Commission. On the paragraph, on page 13, there is a paragraph right there at the end of our alternative handbook. We have a 
statement there that I would like for us to read. It says, multiplication does not only mean spiritual discipleship, very important, but it implies investing and committing your knowledge, your time, your skill set, your experience, your talents in and for the welfare and empowerment of our community. That all of what God has graced, graced you with and blessed you with, you need to put it at the disposal, not of us as a local church, but of God in the local church to fulfill the mission that Christ has given unto us. In fact, this statement kind of summarizes our understanding and our approach as believers and as a local church as to what we want to accomplish. As a church, we believe that multiplication or being productive for Jesus is to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. But the question that might come to your mind might be, what do I mean or what do we mean as the alternative church about being productive or reproducing or replicating for Jesus. Write this down. This is what I mean. Followers of Jesus need to make it a priority to make more followers for Jesus. Let me repeat that. Followers of Jesus need to make it a priority to make more followers for Jesus. You remember what Matthew said? Make some disciples. He said, make disciples. It is in the present continuous tense. It means that as we go, as we go about our business, as we go about our life, as we go about our professions and our activities in life, our priorities as followers of Jesus, or let me use this word, believers in Christ Jesus, our priority is to make more followers for Jesus. In other words, we should be encouraging other people to follow Jesus. We should not be the source of discouragement for people to follow Jesus. We should actually be the encouraging sources that people need or the light um, source out there or the, um, the thing that guide people out there to say, if these people that were this or that and these people can follow Jesus, that means that God is serious and God is real. That is what multiplication is. That our life become an image and, and a bearer of Christ Jesus in our world, in our family. And we are called to make disciples. And hear me here, family. The church is not only limited, the disciple making processes is not only limited to the church. Or it's not restricted only to the church. It means that all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mandate and a calling, and that mandate and calling is to make more followers for Jesus Christ. That means when you go home, you need to make disciples for Jesus. That means that when you go to your work or in your workplace, you need to make disciples for Jesus. That means that when you go in politics or in culture or in your neighborhood, you need to make it a means to be more or build more people for Jesus, not divide and throw people aside, but bring more people for Jesus. Jesus said these words, you are the light of the world. Listen to what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say you are the darkness in the, the world. Jesus said you are the light of the world. So I don't care if we are 
well-educated or not well-educated, we all have one mandate, and that mandate is to make followers for Jesus. That is what, what we mean by multiplication or what we mean by being productive here at The Alternative. We want to empower you. We want to encourage you. We want to give you the tools to be more productive for Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 15, be productive. He said, abide in me and you will make more disciples because apart from me, you cannot do anything. So, for us to make disciples are the alternative. What do we need to know so that we can be productive and make more followers for Jesus? That's a very important question, and thank you for asking. Here is the first process I believe that we need to know. We need to know the blueprint to be productive. We need to know the blueprint. What do I mean by that? When we come to the New Testament, primarily in the Gospels, and we take a time to study the life of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus laid down the blueprint that we need to follow in order to replicate and make more disciples for the kingdom of God? But the problem is that we don't want to follow Jesus' blueprint. We want to make our own blueprint. And that's why we are failing most of the time as a church because we want to base upon our intellect, our capacity, our knowledge, and we are not following the blueprint that Jesus laid for us. So I want to recalibrate us and help us to look at Jesus' blueprint. And out of all of them, I want to bring three of them to you. The first blueprint that you need to write down, and I want you to keep in mind, is that you need to give your time. In fact, you find that with Jesus. Jesus gave his time in order to multiply and to replicate himself with his disciples. If you don't believe me, let's go to John chapter 1. And write on this passage and study it for yourself. John chapter 1, the verse 35 to the verse 39, we find where Jesus gives us a model of spending time in order to make more disciples. If you have it, say, Amen. Okay, or wait for the screen, or just listen to I read. Verse 35 in John chapter 1 says, The next day, John was standing. Let me give you the context. John was preaching. Everybody was following John. John was preaching a message that shake up the Sadducees and the Pharisees, what we call the religious leaders at the time. And they were pending at John and they were, um, they were scrutinizing every move that John was making. And John began to preach and John began to give himself out there. And people from all over the Jordan side come to the Jordan River to be baptized because of what John was preaching. And there was an occasion now where Jesus came up on the scene. And as Jesus came up on the scene, John told his disciples, Listen, I know that you guys are following me because I am a popular preacher right now. But see, over there, the Lamb of God. And because John pointed these disciples to Jesus, listen to what we have now, what John, the writer, is saying. The next day, after John said that to them, John was standing with two half of his disciples where he saw Jesus passing by. He said, Look, the Lamb of God. My question that I was asking myself is this. How John knew that Jesus was the Lamb, that Jesus right there, that person that was passing by was the Lamb of God. There was something about him. It was the Spirit of God within John. Give him the discernment to point him to Jesus Christ. Listen to me here, family. The only way people... Even the rebellious among us, even our child among us that are rebellious can come to know and follow the Lamb of God is by the Spirit of God. 
Because if we could have changed them, we would have changed them a long time ago. We need to pray that God will open the eyes like um, like the, the um, like um, um, the, the prophet in the Old Testament by the name of, that was following Elijah. Elijah's servant, he had other servants and they were watching and doing and he prayed that their eyes would be opened so that they could see the protection of God around them. This is what we need to do today. More that we complain, and more that we kick them out, and more that we harass them, and more that we cause them, and more that we fight with our family and our children. We need to pray that God, I will open, God will open their eyes for them. John said, look at the Lamb of God. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and listen to what happened. They followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Look, at, they did not recognize Jesus as Lord. They recognized Jesus as teacher. Where are you staying? Look at verse 39 now. Come and you will see, Jesus replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. What it said, they stayed with Jesus. You know what Jesus did? Jesus spent time with them. We can't make more people to follow Jesus. You see, sometimes we only limit following Jesus to come to church and preach a sermon and we expect people to follow Jesus and then we expect them to become followers of Jesus. We need to make time to spend with people that are struggling, people that are in need of Jesus. We need to make time, identify them and work with them. For far too long, we think that Sunday morning and midweek worship services will solve our problem. We need to go, Jesus said, and make disciples. We hook up so many times in the church and people are catching hell in the family. Children are rebellious. They are doing all manner of things. And guess what? We are just hooking up here and we are not going. But if we want to make disciples, we need to get up and make time. Identify the people there and spend time with them. That's what he says in verse 39. He said, come and you will see. Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Look at my life. Look at my practice. But that means, listen to this, we need to have a testimony before people. What they will see in Jesus, they will see that Jesus was a man that prayed. They will see that Jesus was a man that faithful to God. They will see that Jesus was a man that was not compromising the calling of God upon their life, upon his life. That means as disciples of Jesus, we need to be faithful as well. And we need to have a testimony for the people them that we want to disciples. People are not going to be disciples just because we talk good. Just because we pray good. We need to be living right before them so that they can see that this person is serious what they are praying and what they are saying. Jesus said, come and you will see. We need to embody. That's why I, every man, listen to me. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. And I know that we are not perfect. But listen to me. If we are serious with Jesus, then we are going to be a people that live a life that look like Jesus every day. We can't only say we love Jesus and we follow Jesus, and we are disciples of Jesus, and live like hell in front of people. We need to be heaven for people. Because the only heaven people can get to see can be our life. So the first thing that we know that the blueprint that Jesus laid, come and see where I am staying, is to spend time 
and show people your lifestyle. Number two, you need to give people your trust. This is very important here. Not only your time, but give your trust. And I want to say something because the other example that we have in the Bible is very interesting or from the life of Jesus. I want you to turn with me in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 to verse 19. Because what we find here, we find that Jesus trusting people that Jesus knew will betray him. Jesus trusts people that he knew they would be like snake and poisonous snake, but Jesus still trusts them. And that, is, that caught my attention because I said, Jesus, that means that I am not like you. Because if people I know, like, this is what caught my attention. Jesus knew what they would do. Jesus knew what they were doing. Jesus knew what they would become. And yet Jesus trusts them. So hear me, family. Trust is one of the hardest things to give and to receive. We want people to trust us, but we don't like trust people. <laughs> we like receive but we don't like it. Some of us need to get some trust sledgehammer and start hitting some trust out of us so that we can start trust one another again. Because listen, over the years as Rizal people, we have failed each other and we say, I will never again trust that. You, you know what that person did to me? No. How serious are you about to follow Jesus? No, answer the question. You understand me, Dick? How serious you are about to follow Jesus? Miss Mel, how serious you are about to follow Jesus? You heard the truth? Okay, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to the verse 19. It says, Jesus went up to the mountain and summoned those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12. Underline that word. You'll find it two times here appointed whom he also named listen apostles to be with him to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons verse 16 again the word he appointed how many the 12 let's look at them you remember this one simon peter that said jesus if you go through hell i going through hell if you go through fire i going in fire with you jesus if they come to you I want to stand up with you. And who was the first one that run? <laughs> Hold on. Twice he said, he appointed the 12. And listen to this word, apostles. That word apostle means messengers with a message, a specific message to accomplish and to proclaim. It's like when a king would enter a territory, what they would do, they would make messengers, apostles, go before them to prepare the place for them. So what Jesus is doing, Jesus is selecting 12 men to prepare the place for him so that he can come in with his entourage and establish the kingdom of God. And these people, we have Peter. Okay, you're not done yet. But look at this. He gave the name Peter, verse 17, and to James, the son of Zebedee, and to his brother John. He gave them Bernagris. That means sons of thunder. Hold on. You know who they These were the one them that these people started to rise up against Jesus and said, Jesus, may we kill them. May we burn them up. Them are people. They can't follow us. Who are them? We have Peter. 
We have the sons of thunder. Look at the people Jesus entrusted with the mission to fulfill the work of God. Let's continue. And then we have Andrew and Philip. You remember the time when Andrew and Philip were in charge or responsible to give the people to eat? What they said to Jesus? Not even one dime I'm going to spend on them. Make them go in the wilderness and die for hunger. We laugh, but how serious we are about to follow Jesus. Listen to this one. Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphys. All of them, these three here, they doubted Jesus. All of them. And then Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot. You know what a zealot was a rebellious person. Kill people in political um, high ranks. This man, zealot, this was a, an assassin. A guerrero. Yes, that's the word. That's the word, a guerrero. He was a terrorist. And Jesus used the word twice. He appointed them. Was no sin. But he what? He appointed them. Uh, okay. I, I didn't mean hold more. I, I decided that what, what is this word appointed mean? Uh, the word appointed, I thought it was meant, it meant to select or choose. Mm-mm. You know me that. You know what the word appoint, um, appointed mean in the original language? It means to give someone your trust blindly, knowing that they are capable of hurting you. It means to charge a person or to give that person responsibility and function, knowing that that person might betray you. My God, listen to this. Jesus knew what these 12 disciples would do to him and yet he blindfoldedly gave him the, his trust. Hear me, family? As Rizal people, we will never prosper if we can't trust one another anymore. We will never prosper if we continue to doubt each other. I can't give my trust to that person. I can't give that person responsibility and function anymore because of who that person is. Thank God that Jesus did not look at who we are or what we've done and what we are capable of doing. Jesus said, I know that you are dirty. I know that you are a criminal. I know that you are this. I know that you are that. But yet I'm going to give you my trust by sending my son Jesus Christ so that he will die for you so that you can become a follower for me. If Jesus could trust you, why you can't trust the other person? My God. Because we are we are no saint. We are no saint. We are not perfect. We need to learn to start to trust each other when we hurt each other as a family member. We, we have marriages and we have relationships in our home where we can't trust each other because of our repeated fact that we've done against each other. But Jesus, look at it. These boys, they betrayed Jesus' trust. But Jesus summoned them again and said, Go and make disciples. Even when they fail Jesus. Sometimes we have to learn to trust people who we know who they were, who we know what they have done, and who we know what they will do. They will be like this magadag. You'll feed them and then turn around and bite you, but you trust them. So again, you're serious about following Jesus. Yeah, try. <laughs> so the blueprint number one is what? To give your time. Two, give your what? 
trust. And listen to this one. No, you give your tools. Let's go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, um, Jesus had tools. And Jesus gave it to these people. <laughs> to these 12 boys that he knew they would do what they would do to him. But yet Jesus gave what he had. And he gave it to them. Listen to what it says in verse 1. Summoning the 12. Who are the 12? You remember them? I, I need to go back over the list again. No, okay. The 12. We know who they were. A guerrero, a, a betrayer, a liar, everything. All right. He not only gave them his trust. But listen to this now. Summoning the 12 of them. Jesus gave them power. Over all the demons and to heal diseases. At that time, Jesus gave them authority and power. And this gives us some implication because it shows and what Jesus was showing us and them also is that if we are going to follow Jesus, we can't do it on our own strength. We need the strength and we need the power and the grace of God to be able to break down some strongholds that we find in the communities that we are going to work with. This gives us two implications. Number one, it shows something about Jesus. That although Jesus is Lord and has absolute power and authority, he did not operate as a Yanero Solitario. You notice that? Jesus could have gone there and start, you little demon, your name, Legion, get out of here. You little one over here, your name, whatever the name is, get out of here. Jesus could have done that all by himself. Because he has absolute power and absolute authority. But you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was bringing other people along with him. So that he will fight and they will fight alongside with him. The church of God needs to learn this lesson. We can't fight our battle by ourselves. And the reason why many of us are failing because we think that we are self-sufficient and we are not being productive for Jesus in creating more disciples because we think that we are self-sufficient and we can do everything by ourselves. We need to be connected within community and work together. If Jesus could have used other people to get the work done, that means that you and I need other people too so that we can be faithful and accomplish the work of God. That's why many of us fail, you know. Because we walk this journey of life struggling by ourselves and we don't share it because we are afraid because of a lack of trust. We are afraid to share people so the entire San Andreas will know. The second implication is this. Jesus did not give his follower or let his followers go into dark places that would prevent and set up barriers to make more disciples without anything. Jesus gave them something. Listen to me here, family. I don't want us to become like a girl. I know I can't know name, so I don't get no shame or blame. A girl that we had in high school. We had a girl that, you know, many, many a time our parents, thank you, many a time our parents never had money to buy the tools them and the equipment that we need. Sometimes we used to go to school, right? We used to go to school and we never had the book. We had to wait some, everybody had them tools and a book and we had to wait our months. And yet, sometimes we never get the time to get money because our parents never had nothing. We know here done we don't get it. But you had some some students or girls. I, I remember girls. I was a girl because I remember girls. But we had one particular girl though. My cousin Lonnie and I. We went to her. She had her tools, you know. She finished her work. So we decided we would wait so that she would finish her work and we would go and borrow her tools. Fab. 
And you know what he got? My goodness, I never hear so many blue lights in my life ever. You know, get from here. This are mine and this and that. You know, it caught me attention here because it showed me something about Jesus and us. And I want to motivate us. May we not hold on to a position or a gift that God give us and use it for our own selves. May we use it and use it to empower other people so that they can come alongside us and do the work of God. God did not equip you. God did not give you the tools for you to use it for your own self and for your own glory. It's for you to use it so that you can empower other people. So those people can empower other people. Those people can empower other people. So those people can empower other people. And guess what? The church is being multiplied by creating more disciples because we are using the tools not for ourselves but for the glory of God. Nothing that you have is for you. It's belong to God. Everything that you have belong to God. No, use it for your own selfish game. Use it to bring glory to God. All the time remember that. Nothing that we have belong to us. My grandmother always tell me something. No, I remember. He said, my son, read the puppy choke. I never understood that, you know. Every time my cousin used to come over, I used to try to eat up all the biscuit them. Everything that was up, I got here, I said, wait, my, I, know, I know today is Saturday, my cousin is coming over. I know my grandmother will have all the, um, the, the biscuit, the sweet biscuit them save. And I go in and I dig it up, dig it up. And my grandmother one day find me. He never called me attention. He said, my son, a greedy puppy will choke. I don't even pay no mind because I make sure that I eat all that. But listen to me. When we become selfish and don't use the tool God gives us, we want to work. So we need to know the blueprint. So after we don't know the blueprint to reproduce and to make disciples, we need to know what we are going to reproduce or be productive with. That is what I'm calling the values. We know the blueprint. Let's look at the values. Okay, what are some values that we need to develop in people that we are mentoring and people that we are working alongside with? Well, I want to invite pa uh, Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, give us a great example here so that we can start to practice. And I want us to practice. If you go with me in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to the verse 9, you will find some of the virtues that Paul lay out here to a church. Hold on here. Let me give you the context so that you can understand what's happening here. In Philippians chapter 4, two sisters were fighting. They were the leaders in the church. And they were fighting. What has happened is that selfishness, disunity, and disagreement began to take hold of the church instead of the gospel. And because they started to focus on their own interests and not on the cross and not on the gospel or not on Christ, what happened? They started to fight among each other. And Paul did not come with a stick and start whack them, each one of them. Be of yourself, Yuda. Syntec, behave yourself. No, no, Paul didn't come over there. Behave yourself. You know what Paul did? Paul said, look, for you guys to resolve this problem, let me give you some virtues and values that you need to practice every day among each other. No, let's read Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to the verse 9. And let's look at how Paul solved this problem. Paul gives us approximately six virtues here. Number one, he said, whatever is true. You see it there? Let me read this one. Write this on. Number one, whatever is true. Number two, whatever is noble. Number three, whatever is. Number four, whatever is. Whatever is. Whatever is. 
What he said, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And in chapter 2, verse 1, they were only thinking about themselves, and that's why they began to fight. Listen to me. Anytime we start to be about what we want and be about ourselves, they want cause conflict anywhere you go. And Paul said, no, no, no. I want you to dwell on six virtues so that you can solve the problem with the church. And then in verse 9, it said this, do what you have learned, received, heard from me, and see in me. And listen to this. Why Paul will say this statement in verse 9? No. And the God of peace will what? Will be with you. You see? You see when peace comes? Paul give them the solution. If you don't practice this, then you will always got fight. So what Paul is saying? To get rid of selfishness, conflict, and disunity, you must begin by being productive in practicing those values. On another occasion, write down this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to the verse 2. Listen to what happened here. In the home and in the church, they had some trouble. You know what's funny to me? That... <laughs> The problem in the first century church is the same problem that we are having today as believers. Statistic has proven, the banner come up with a statistic showing us that families in the world has less conflict than families in the church. Well, that's the American statistic. I don't know about San Angeles. We have to do a survey too. But most families that are believers, they have more fight and more conflict in the church, in the home and in the church than any other unbelieving people. So the same problem the first century church had is the same problem that we have. So what is happening in Ephesians? In, the, in their homes, the believers are fighting. So naturally, if you are fighting with your own people that you live with and wake up with, you have to see them matter eye. You have to see the bridle on their face. You have to see when they let go some gas and all them things and you live with those people and you can fight with them. What about the people in the church? Naturally, you are fight. Listen to how pastor have this problem. Pastor in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through verse 2, he said, Therefore, be imitators of God. And listen to this, as dearly loved children. And listen to this, and walk in what? Walk in love. Verse 2, as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. You hear what Paul is saying? Love always sacrifice for the greater good. Anytime you are not sacrificing for the greater good, you are operating out of selfishness. Three times Paul said loved. He said love and love. He said walk in love. That word walk means to live by this standard. So the virtue of love is the answer to most of our selfishness, disagreement, and disunity we often have among us as a people. In fact, the people in the world know that better than us. In the 60s, in the 70s, and in the 80s, when people were, when, when they called it coming out of the closet, when the word, you know the word G-A-Y, created gay, means happy. When that word was created in the 60s and the 70s, and the 80s, when they were, people wanted to be free and wanted to have freedom of expression of their, their own orientation and things like that, the church, the government, and everybody else, other organization, they had a fight against those people. And 
You ever heard of a group named the Beatles? The Beatles wrote a song in order to bridge that conflict. And the song says, all I need is love. What was, what was this group doing? It was inviting people from the extreme to start practice love, which is to learn to respect each other. Ziggy Mali, Bob Mali's son, he have a song that says, my religion is love. He said, love is my religion. So what we need, along as the world, we have the answer for the world's problem, the love of God in Christ Jesus, but yet we don't practice it. So the values that we need to develop, we know the values, we know the blueprint, but what result of when we practice those things, when we follow the blueprint? Let's look at the results. What would happen when we practice them? I want to invite you now to um, Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we have an example with John and Peter. They were preaching Jesus after they did a miracle in Acts chapter 3. And they hold them, the, the religious power hold them and beat them up. And these boys continue preaching the message. Remember I told you, John, Peter, they were the boys them that betrayed Jesus. But because of the trust that Jesus gave to them, and they see Jesus resurrected, they were invigorated to continue to do the work of God. Let's look at John, Acts chapter 4 verse 13. You have it? Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Listen to this. When they observed the boldness of who? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had what? Underline that word. Been with Jesus. Although they have many things that would disqualify them among the religious leaders, one thing they had, they had Christ. They were with Jesus. Maybe we are not educated as the world. Maybe we are not rich as the world. Maybe we don't have the power as the world. But one thing we have, Jesus. And as long as we have Jesus, there is nothing that can stop us from doing what Jesus has called us to do. So as long as we have Jesus, we may not be trained like the world. We may not be eloquent like the world. But one thing we have, we can do the things them that God has given us because his spirit lives in us. And if Christ is in us, we can do all things because he will strengthen us. Notice what happened to this boy. Verse 1, chapter 4, through the verse 12. Notice what happened to them. They were unafraid. That means they had courage to speak for Jesus. That word boldness means in verse 13 to have confidence, to have courage, to speak out and do things that you will never do on your own strength. They were unafraid believers. They had courage. And then you notice also in the second side of the verse 13, they were amazed and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That means they were no longer ashamed. Remember, who was the first one that ran away from Jesus? Peter. No, the pressure came to him. And you know what Peter said? If you beat me from now till morning, if you shut my mouth, one thing you can't show, like, exactly, like Aunt Jeremiah, the word of God is burning deep within me and it has to come out. So if you kill me, if you destroy me, 
I know one thing. My connection with Jesus will not last. You may take away the riches from me. You may take away the position from me. But you can't take away Jesus from me. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know, this reminds me of a character that we know a lot among us. Who ever hear of a person named Robert Nelson? Who <laughs> ever hear that person? Who knows that person? No, you're here. Okay. Okay. Brother Robert Nelson, usually when he wants to introduce himself, what is the one phrase that he always do? It's que I I atrevido, I atrevido, I atrevido, I okay, I atrevido. Right, brother Robbie? <laughs> I, was, I, I atrevido. Things normal people will not do. He won't do it, he won't push through, he won't go through. This is the exact same thing what it means to be bold and be courageous. You have to be atrevido. So that you can get what God called you to do. That is the result. That when we are connected with Jesus, Jesus will give us boldness to become atrevido. I mean, in a culture where they should not preach, they were atrevidos. So the question again, do you really want to follow Jesus? I understand why many people don't want to follow Jesus, you know. Because a lot. Cars that we have to sacrifice our time. Cars a lot that sometimes we have to do things we know we don't want to. Cars a lot that we have to give from our talents and our tools. Cars. But if you are going to follow Jesus, the results and the reward will be greater than what you give. So every head bow and every eye closed. Thank you for listening today. Our hope is that this message has allowed you to hear from the God who loves and redeems you through His Son, Jesus. To hear more from The Alternative, subscribe through your preferred podcast app. We would love to connect with you. You can follow and contact us on Instagram or Facebook at The Alternative underscore SAI or watch past messages at youtube.com slash The Alternative underscore SAI. Have an awesome week.